Boy, it's sure pretty outside today, isn't it? Yesterday and today. Let me encourage you as we go into the spring and go towards the summer on a pretty day, if you want to kind of get away for the day on Sunday, come early. First service on Sunday at 9. You'll be out to the lake, or better yet, come on Saturday night. We have a great crowd of worship and take the full day. So three opportunities for worship. Why don't you turn your Bibles to the book of Nehemiah, Old Testament book, one of my favorites. We have been in this book for really since the first of the year. So two months, we have been developing, if I can say, a friendship with a man named Nehemiah. He was a role model to follow, and we have been looking at his life, not just for historical information, but basically to say, what can I learn so that I can live a life to make a difference like Nehemiah did? Now, Nehemiah chapter 13 is where we were last uh, Sunday morning, Nehemiah 13, verse 23. And the context is Israel is repeating the same sin that got them in trouble in the first place. Now, how many know if you see somebody about to do something that's going to get them in big trouble, if you care about them, you'll do something, right? I mean, imagine if you have a child. I remember when our kids were little and they start to run in the street. What do you do? You, you stop them. I mean, you don't hurt them, but I mean, you try to get their attention and say, hey, look, you could be killed out in that street. I mean, if you catch your kid looking at pornography or if you, catch, if you find some drugs in your kid's room or something like that, you're, you're not going to say no big deal like chips from lunch, are you? No, you're going to go into a tirade. And everybody said? Because you realize their life can be destroyed. Well, that's the feeling that Nehemiah had in, in even an exaggerated way. Uh, verse 23, Nehemiah said, I saw men of Judah who had married women from Ashdod, Ammon, and Moab. Now, we've condensed these verses a bit, but basically the children of Israel were supposed to live pure lives, marry other Jewish people to guard the, the ways of God and keep them very sacred because Christ would come through their lineage. Verse, 20, uh, verse 25, I rebuked them, Nehemiah said. I called down curses on them. And listen to this, I even beat some of the men and pulled out their hair. Now, we had a little demonstration last week. Uh, Jeff, you want to do it again this week? No. All right. Well, anyway, he got their attention. In verse 27, must we hear now that you're being unfaithful to God by marrying foreign women? Now, how many know what we may think is okay or no big deal? If God makes a boundary, if God gives a commandment, how many know as a Christian it's a law to be obeyed? And God was concerned that he didn't want them repeating the same sins that got them in a mess in the first place. Because if they married these pagans, guess what? They'd be worshiping their gods, they'd be practicing idolatry, and God cared for them. But it's verse 31 that we're going to look at this morning as our focus. Nehemiah, and these are the last words of the book. Now, mind you, 13 chapters, a couple decades of his life, and he has for decades served God. He left the comforts of Persia. Uh, he went to follow God. He went to a foreign, back to his homeland. He faced difficulties, challenges. People wanted to kill him. People wanted to hurt him. But this whole time, he followed God, reestablished the ways of God, and built the wall around the city. And here's what he said. Remember me with favor, O my God. Can you say that? Remember me with favor, Oh, my God. The New Century Version says, be kind to me. Now, again, last words. He started out, first chapter, he's in Persia. He, he has a great job. Uh, things are going well for him. But he hears something that his hometown is in big trouble, and it gets in his heart. Now, I want to suggest to you this morning, as you look for application, this idea and the phrase I'm going to use is, follow me. It's what Jesus, is going to, Jesus said to us. It's what Nehemiah did when he left his, his, his Persia, went back. He was following God. Now, how many know God calls all of us to do things in life? 
And when God calls us to do it, his expectation as a disciple is we, we do it. We go for it. We go with him. It could be something as simple as maybe at lunch today, you may see someone and God might nudge you to pray for them. Uh, it may be something as simple as going through the hall today and, and the Lord prompts you to, to give somebody some money. Maybe they're having a hard time. Maybe there's a missions trip. We've got a team going to Haiti. When they heard about it, I can tell you this, it's not a vacation experience. But yet if God is touching your heart, how many know what he wants us to do is follow him? Well, that's what Nehemiah did, this whole passage. But this word, remember me, is not just mentioned one time, but you'll see four times in this story. Chapter 13, verse 10. The people had stopped supporting the Levites and the priests, and he challenged them. He got them back on board, and again he said, say it with me, Remember me, O my God, concerning this. Verse 17, they were ignoring the Sabbath day, a Jewish, uh, Jewish law. He rebuked them. He got them back on track. And again he said to God, say it with me, Remember me for this also. And the fourth time, let's go back to chapter 5, and again this is just a picture because what I want you to see is as Nehemiah follows God and serves the Lord, he's in essence saying, Lord, you're seeing the good that I'm doing. Now I'm going to ask you to bless me and I'm going to ask you to reward me for serving you. Nehemiah 5 verse 14. Now he's the governor there in Judah. And it says, for the entire 12 years that I was governor of Judah, neither I nor my officials drew on our official food allowance. Now, he was the governor. He would have to feed about 150 people a day. How many know that's a lot of hamburgers? I mean, if you go through McDonald's and say, you know, I want 150 Big Macs, well, don't go to McDonald's. But wherever you go, I want, you know, I want uh, two dozen pizzas, extra large pizzas, thick pizzas. You know, I want, I want 150 steaks. That's a lot of people to feed. But what Nehemiah did not do was take what was offered to him. In other words, part of his salary package was to be able to provide food for this entourage, but he wouldn't take it, and he sacrificed his own money to be able to provide for all these people because the people didn't have money to pay their taxes. And notice what he said in verse 19. He said, Remember me, O my God, all that I have done for these people. And then what did he say? Bless me for it. Look at what I've done. Now, didn't Nehemiah know that uh, uh, how in the world could you get ahead if you are making sacrifices like this? I mean, didn't Nehemiah know that you got to look out for number one? Didn't Nehemiah know that if you don't stand up for your rights, that you're not going to make it in life? Can I tell you in the Bible, the exact opposite is true. For the follower of Christ, we can have a confidence that as we walk with God, God will take care of us. Let me say it again. As we are following God, and that's what Nehemiah did, and these four times of remembrance, it's because he's following God and he was looking to God to take care of him. And that's going to be the theme of this morning's message. The life of Nehemiah is a picture of people that have gone from the Genesis through the book of Revelation that as people walk with God, as you and I follow God, God promises that He's going to take care of us here on this earth. He's going to bless us on earth and He's going to reward us in heaven. And can I tell you, that's the way we want to live in partnership with God. God providing for us, God taking care of us, but looking forward one day to our heavenly reward. Come on, somebody say praise the Lord this morning. And what I'm going to encourage you to do is even adopt this practice that Nehemiah did, that when you do something serving the Lord, I mean, maybe you, maybe you taught a class and when you left the classroom and all the kiddos were out, you just look to heaven and say, Lord, remember me for what I've done. Maybe as you gave your offering today and it was a significant offering, it was a tithe, Lord, remember me for what I've done. 
Linnell's got a group of people that are going to Haiti in just a couple of weeks. How many are here this morning that were at this meeting this morning? Going to Haiti in just a couple of weeks. I mean, she's got how many people? 16 people, not for a vacation, but to serve the Lord. Well, guess what? When you go and when you're on the flight back home and those wheels touch down in Texarkana or Houston, wherever they're landing, you can take a deep breath and say, thank God I'm home. But guess what else you ought to say? God, remember me for what I've done. You're not pleading with God to do something for you, but it's a covenant relationship. Hear me now, that as you and I follow God, God promises to take care of us. And this is what I want you to hear this morning. And the, perhaps the best place to hear it were from the very lips of Christ. So we're going to go to the New Testament this morning. And we're going to see how a man named Peter was just like Nehemiah. That is literally willing to do whatever God called him to do. And when he followed God, he had a promise from Jesus himself that I'm going to take care of you. And can I tell you, that same promise is available to us today. So let's talk about this message this morning. It's called Blessing and Reward. And I want you to go with me to Mark's Gospel, Mark's Mark chapter 10. And again, what I want you to hear today from the words of Christ himself is that Jesus Christ promised you that if you would follow him, everybody say follow him, wherever he would lead, whatever he would call me to do, that if I follow Christ, I can have an expectation that God will bless me on this earth. And more importantly, he's going to reward me in heaven with eternal life. Mark 10 verse 17. Now we're going to contrast two people one man, what's called a rich ruler, a rich young man, with Simon Peter. Mark ten seventeen. a man came running up to Jesus and asked, What must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, would you agree with me that that's the most important question there is? I mean, what happens after I die? What's going to happen to me? Because, I mean, nobody wants to die. I mean, particularly when life is going well, when you're leaving your loved ones. If you've been, you know, around someone that died that you loved and care about, and maybe it was your mom or your grandma, and she said, oh, honey, I love you. I don't want to go, but my body's just wore out. I mean, no, death is not natural. We want to be able to live forever. And this man was asking the same question, what do I have to do? And Jesus then begins to record the ten, some of the Ten Commandments, the Decalogue, the words that Moses uh, received from God. You know the commandments, don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal. He listed several more. And in verse 21, this guy said something pretty incredible. He, he said, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. Now, I guarantee you that is not something I can say. How about you? I've obeyed all the commandments. And Jesus is going to go deeper because how many know you don't get to heaven by doing good things? You don't get to heaven by obeying rules. What Jesus is going to do is he's going to look into his heart and he's going to see that this man loves something else more than he loves God. He had an outward look of religion. We'd call him a great church member. I mean, this guy was at the church. He was serving. He was a giver. He was an example. But in his heart, something had taken the place of God. Jesus said, verse 21, still one thing you haven't done. And basically, he almost was thinking, name it. And Jesus said, I want you to go and sell all your possessions. Now, listen, give your money to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come and do what? Now, I don't care what that guy owned. It's all gone today. I don't care what possession he had. It's over. Listen to Jesus. Jesus, in verse 23, looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Now, let's get some background here. First of all, how many know it's not an evil thing to be rich? It's the challenge, though, Jesus said, because riches can captivate your heart. And what Jesus was doing, Jesus was not looking to make this man poor. He was looking to see if he was a disciple. 
See, this is not a passage calling all Christians to give up everything you have to follow God. What this is a passage calling us to do is look in our hearts and see if there's anything in me that I love more than I love God. This is not a call to poverty. It's a call to discipleship. And discipleship is wrapped up with the idea of following God in whatever he would ask me to do. It might be as simple as, let's say if you're a young person and tomorrow you're at school, let's say you're in the 10th grade, you're finally on the varsity, you know, athletic team and you're hanging out with all the guys or girls and uh, let's say you go out to dinner, everybody's there, you're in the cafeteria and the food is in front of you and it's time to pray and they're not praying, they're just chowing down and you bow your head to pray. I mean, there's a lot of pressure when you're 16 years old just to do something simple like that. But I want to tell you, friends, whether it's something like that and Christ is calling us to follow him to be an example or it's going up to a stranger in Walmart, you just feel God kind of nudging you to talk to them, to share your faith, whether it's giving an offering, whether it's going to Haiti, whether it's, for example, we have friends, the Howensteins in Africa. They're in Kenya. They left our church three or four years ago and uh, they just basically said this. They just said, we feel God calling us to the people of Africa. Uh, You know, will you cover us? Will you bless us as we go? Of course, we said, sure. And uh, off they went to Africa, left everything here, left his job, and basically he's been self-supporting ever since then. But can I tell you, friends, whatever God calls you to do, if he calls you to follow him, how many know we need to trust him and step out of the boat? See, it could be to follow God, God might call you to, to leave a vocation. I read a great little article this week. It was a testimony of a woman who was, a, it was, in, World Net, uh, no, it was in World Magazine, and it was a woman who was a model for Victoria's Secret. And she said, I've become a Christian. I'm married, and the Bible teaches me that my body's not for the world, but my body's exclusively for my husband, so I ain't going to do it anymore. How many know that's a good thing? There's something to give up. There's some money to give up, but how many know anything you lose for Christ is actually gained? Well, it could be a lifestyle. Maybe if God, maybe God calls you this year, and I'm just thinking out loud, maybe he wants you to build, dig a water well for you know, a poor village somewhere in the world. Or maybe he wants you to, to take on as a single project building a church for, in some impoverished part of the world. And, and you don't have that kind of money, and you've got to make a lot of sacrifices. You sacrifice your vacation, or, or you sacrifice who knows what it is to get that money. How many know when you do that, you're following God, and there is a promise and an expectation that God will reward you, come on, for what you've done. The motivation is not for the reward, but it is a promise that God will bless you on earth and God will reward you in heaven. But this rich man was not willing to do that. He was not willing to follow Christ because he loved things more than God. Now, look at this scripture, verse 28. It's probably our key scripture. Peter began to speak up and said, we have given up what? We've given up everything to follow you. Not to get to heaven, but we've given it up because Christianity is about following Christ. Hear me this. The basis of Christianity is a belief and a trust in God, but the expression of our faith is that we follow Him. You see, we're not just living by religious rules and dogma. We're not going through just a ceremony of religion for an hour a week. We are following Jesus Christ. And Peter did that. And it's almost like you can hear echoing back Nehemiah when Nehemiah said, Remember me for what I've done. I've cared for people. I've fed them out of my own pocket. I helped straighten them out when they ignored the Sabbath, when they were going back in intermarriage. I was there. Remember me, God, for good. And Peter's now saying, We've given up everything to follow you. Remember me. And can I tell you, my friends, there is a promise linked to this. And listen to the words of Jesus. Jesus said this, truly. And the word truly, it's like, 
If you're in a Word document and you want to really make something stand out, you would highlight it, you would increase the size of the text, you might even underline it. And that's what Jesus is saying. Truly I say to you, there is no one. Now, there's some passages in the Scripture that I think are really contextualized to the people he talked to and may not apply to me. But this is not one. When Jesus said there's nobody, and that's very inclusive, Jesus said there's no one who has left houses, and listen to this, brothers, sisters, mothers, fathers, children, that's relationships. My wife is going to take this team to Haiti. I'm not, she's going to be gone for a week. Well, I don't like that. I would much rather she stayed here, but we've agreed to sacrifice. You understand what I'm saying? So the Christian life, there's maybe something that you give up for a season. Jesus said, if you've given up houses, a place to stay, relationships, and lands. Now, lands, was that was where the source of their food came from. That's where they made a living. That was their business. That was their source of income. And if you give up these things, there'll be some persecutions. But what's the promise? In the age to come, you'll have eternal life. In the age to come, I'll give you eternal life. So Jesus is saying this, if you will follow me where I lead you, I will bless you on this earth. I will take care of you. And in the world to come, I will give you the gift or the blessing of eternal life. Can I say, my friends, that's worth everything. And it's a promise that Christ gave to us. Verse 31, he closes this way. There's many who are greatest now. This is a picture of this rich young man. He was great now. He had possessions. He had, if we could say, a nice car or a nice chariot. He had all the trappings of life, but he loved that more than God. Jesus said, you're great now. If you don't follow me, you'll be the least then. And those who seem least important now will be what? Greatest then. So here's the question. Are you willing to forego something that God might ask you to do to make some sacrifice to follow Christ? As I said, God's not calling all of us to poverty, but God is calling all of us to follow Him. It is the great call of the Christian faith, and perhaps this is the greatest passage in the New Testament that shows us the difference between two people. One person was willing to follow Christ on his terms, the rich young man. He was basically saying, I want eternal life, but I want kind of a God-like version. I want God on my terms. I'm willing to follow you, but only so far. Mary and her family and friends, they go in Robinson Court's pretty tough part of town. They go every month. They minister to people. They feed them. They bless them. They talk about Christ. Maybe God might call you to do that. And you say, well, that's my Saturday afternoon. You know, that's when, you know, that's when the, the football games are on. And I, I just don't, I don't know that I want to do that. See, this is how the Christian life works. Christ gives us opportunity. We say yes or no. And if we say yes, listen, there's reward that comes on the other side. This rich young ruler probably thought like we do, that if I followed Christ, it means loss. But in actuality, it means gain. Because the Scripture will go on to tell us this. Listen, Matthew, Jesus said these words, Matthew 16. He said, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross and do what? Follow me. And if you try to hang on to your life, rich young ruler, you're going to lose it. But if you give up your life... Peter, Nehemiah, if you give up your life for my sake, what will you do? You'll save it. So this is arguably the greatest challenge, I think, in modern Christianity today, calling us not just to believe in Christ, but to follow Him. 
Not because we're trying to earn our way into heaven, but that's what a disciple does. And the great promise of Jesus, friends, is this. If you will follow me, I will take care of you. Come on, somebody say praise the Lord this morning. I will take care of you. If you've left houses or lands or or relationships, I will bless you on this earth and I will reward you for eternity. And that is exactly what Simon Peter did. It is exactly what Nehemiah did. He's got this great job in Persia, but he hears something that God is calling him to do. And he simply said yes. And then when he got there, he paid his own way. He endured ridicule. He had little difficulties in life. But can I tell you what? That old boy has been rejoicing ever since that time. Because you know what? That was what probably 3,000 years ago, long, long time ago, that that was going on. Maybe not quite that long ago, but he's been dead a long, long time in his body. But you know, the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be what? Present with the Lord. And you know what? When he was buried in the Old Testament, his spirit went to a place called paradise. And his spirit was in a place called paradise where the unbelievers were in a place, the place of the dead awaiting final judgment. Nehemiah went to be in paradise. Guess where Jesus went after he was crucified when he died? Come on. After his resurrection, he went to this place called paradise. He took the keys of hell and death. He emptied that place. And those followers went up to be in the presence of God Almighty. So can I tell you, friend, what seems like a long time, 20 years of following God in Nehemiah's case, and when we look at it today in the context of eternity, it's minimal. So this is what I want to tell you this morning. Have the guts to follow Christ. I dare you this morning. And if you follow him, you'll find that God will take good care of you. Come on, give the Lord a good hand this morning. Now, uh, Matthew chapter 6, I want to develop this a little bit more this morning that Jesus said he'd bless us on earth if we follow him. Now, from our text, Mark chapter 10, verse 10, you remember Jesus said if you leave your lands or your houses, he said you'll receive a hundredfold now. Can you say now? You'll receive a hundredfold now in this time. Now, he reiterated this in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 6, 31. Jesus basically begins by saying this, don't worry. Now, how many of that's easy to say and hard to do? How many honest enough to say, I struggle with worry more than I care to admit? Well, let me tell you what. You have a right to worry in the natural as you look ahead to the future. I mean, America, my friend, we are living almost in a bubble right now. If you've looked across the ocean and over in Greece and you see a nation, because of their debt, there has been riots in the street. I mean, there has been turmoil. I mean, it is, it is not a good place to be. People have been promised by their government for decades of what's going to happen. It's all falling apart. But some big brother somewhere bailed them out with a couple hundred billion dollars. Can I t- ask you this question? What's going to happen to America? Come on. When we can't pay our bills, when we can't print enough money to get us out of the mess we're in. I read an article just this week in Drudge Magazine, Drudge Report, and it basically said this. Baby boomers are saying now, I'm going to have to work till I drop. I'm going to have to work till I die because the promise of pensions, come on, not what they used to be anymore. They tell you that our government is what, $12, $16 trillion in debt. Not true. 
If you add all the unfunded liabilities, all the promise of Social Security, all the money that you've put in Social Security that is not there right now, it is an IOU. If you add all these promises across America, it is over $100 trillion, and it is impossible to pay. But our leaders in Washington keep spending like money like it's water. And when you and I are going to be paying $5 gas because the value of our dollar is worth less, come on, and they all want to blame somebody else, you look ahead in the future and wonder, what is the future like that going to be? Don't you, hear to need, don't you think you need to hear the words of Jesus to say, don't worry? See, Jesus didn't say you're not going to have problems, but he said, don't worry about it. Now, listen to what he says. He says, I'm going to take care of you. Jesus said, don't worry about what we're going to eat, drink. What are we going to wear? How am I going to make the payment on my bass boat? Now, the, the, the fourth part was not there, and I can't promise you that Jesus is going to make the payment on your bass boat. I hope he does, uh, but he may not. But he did promise you that he's going to give you, come on now, food to eat, clothes to wear, and a place to live. The basic necessities of life that most of the world, come on, looks to have every day. Huge part of the world works all day for some rice and beans and a little oil just to be able to put food on the table for that night. We live in an age of opulence in America today. Most of us have enough food in our pantries to feed ourselves for weeks, if not months, in difficult times. Are you with me today? Well, Jesus said as he looked ahead, don't worry about the future. And verse 32 is pretty pointed. He said, the pagans run after these things. In other words, unbelievers, what's most important to them are the things of this life. How I'm going to take care of myself, my job. I've got to look out for number one. I've got to make sure that I'm going to be okay. I've got to be in charge of my financial life. Jesus was saying this to them. Listen, your heavenly father knows your needs. But you, verse 33, what's it say? Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And what did Jesus promise to us? So here's what Jesus says. If you will follow me, if you will put me first in your life, I will take care of the basic needs of your life. Come on. And when life is all said and done, you can go to heaven with one pair of blue jeans or 20 in your closet. Come on. I might rather have 20, but I, listen, I just need a pair of pants to put on. Come on, every day. And I want to tell you this, friends. If you have the guts to follow Christ, he's going to take care of you. When you have given your life to Christ and surrendered your life to Him, He has, he has said, I'm going to be responsible for you. I was in the Navy for four years, and when I was in the Navy, I would work, but I, somebody else was giving me a place to sleep in. Somebody else was providing food on my table. I had to work and labor. I didn't just stay in, you know, I didn't just stay in the TV lounge all day, but I was not responsible for myself. Come on, somebody else was. And can I tell you, that somebody else is God Almighty in your life, and God will take care of you. I have a son, he's finishing a master's degree, real proud of him. And believe it or not, he's asking dad for advice again, what he's going to do in his life. Isn't it amazing? When kids are young, you know everything. I mean, imagine when your kids were six, seven, eight years old. They just look up at you adoringly and they'd say, daddy. They'd just say, mommy, give me the answers of life. And whatever you would say, they'd say, yeah. And then when they get about 16 or 17, you are so stupid. Don't you know anything about life? And then you remain stupid for several years. But then something happens in life when all of a sudden you get smarter as a parent. Come on, all the parents said, great day when that happens. And they say, and they say, okay, Dad, 
What do I do? Well, here's my advice about a job. I say, son, you're not just looking for a job that makes the most money. What you're looking for is what does God want you to do? And if you'll go where God wants you to do and do what God says to do, then your whole life is an extension of the kingdom of God. Come on. You don't have to separate your work life from your spiritual life. Your life is God's because you're following Him. And God can lead you in a job just like He can lead you to a spouse, like He can lead you to a church. Come on. Like He can lead you to a place of service. God will direct you. And when you are working for God, God will take care of you. Come on, somebody say praise the Lord. I'm telling you, this works. The friends that I referenced in Kenya, the Howensteins, now when they came to me and I said, how are you going to support yourself in going to Kenya? And they said, well, we're just, we're believing God. Now, these are not stupid people. He was an airline pilot. And they said, we're not totally sure that uh, if we have to, we'll, you know, we'll cash in our retirement. We'll sell this. We'll sell that. Because God has called us to go. Now, listen, our church supports them, I think, 350 a month. We give them some money when we can. But they have been over there several years. And I want to tell you how, somehow God has taken care of them. I got an email from them the other day, and they're talking about going all over Kenya. And what they do is they've linked up with the Jesus film. And they show this film in villages that, uh, that, that it's in their native language. It's the Gospel of Luke. And they say people come to Christ by the hundreds. Listen, while I'm over here sitting in front of the TV watching Andy Mayberry or whatever crazy things on TV, they're giving their life, come on, to watch, to make a difference in the lives of people. And I'm thinking to myself, how are they paying for all this stuff? There wasn't a word in here saying, send me some money. How are they doing this? I'm telling you, God makes a way. When you follow him, God will take care of you. If you will just do what he asks you to do. Now, you may not be able to eat it out back every other meal, but I'm telling you, friends, there will be food on the table. There will be clothes on your back. There will be shelter. And the basic needs of this life, Jesus Christ said, if you put me first, I'll take care of you. Come on, give him a good hand this morning. Now, but not only did he promise to bless us on earth if we follow him, more importantly, he said he'd reward us in heaven with eternal life. Now, Mark chapter 10, it was our text. Jesus said, remember, if you left houses, brothers, lands, this life I'll bless you. But in the age to come, what was it? Eternal life. Now, let me say this to you again. You were not created to die. You were created to live. Let me say it again. Death is not natural when you are at the dying bed, my grandmother, she died of breast cancer a number of years ago and she was just frail and shriveled in that bed and she wouldn't eat. And I'd say, Nana, you need to eat to find some strength. And she said, I, I can't. I don't even want to live. I just hurt. I want to tell you that is not natural. That did not happen before sin got its stronghold in the world. That will not happen in heaven any longer, my friend. Death is not natural. We were created to live and not die. It is because of death and sin that came in the human race that Christ had to come and give his life as a substitute for us. Come on, as someone who would give his life so I wouldn't have to face eternal death because there is a judgment beyond this life, the second death. And my friend, it is a banishment to a real place called hell. But Jesus said, you don't have to go there. If you will follow me, I will give you eternal life. Let me say it again. I will let you live forever and you will not have to face death any longer. You say, well, what is heaven going to be like, Pastor? I cannot get my, my, my mind around eternity. But you know what? It is, it, listen, it will be better than anything you have imagined. Revelation 21, I'll show this as Pastor Nick comes. Revelation 21, it says, I heard a loud voice from the throne. This is John the Revelator speaking of heaven. 
He said, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them. They will be His people. And God Himself will be, say this with me, with them. God will be with them. The creator of the universe, the ultimate author of the Bible, the one that created everything, the one that knows you and loves you, He will be with you as your God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death shall be no more. There shall be no mourning. There shall be no crying. There shall be no more pain. For the former things have been passed away. That's just a little bit of a glimpse. But I want to tell you, my friend, heaven will be a place where you will be able to see God face to face. And He will look at you and He will call you by name. And when He looks at you, it won't, you won't do this because I've been bad. When He looks at you, come on, those eyes that are like the flame of a furnace. And He'll say, Casey, you are special in my eyes. And He'll say, I love you. I'm so glad you're here. We're going to have such a great time for all eternity. And He's going to look at you for the first time. And He's going to say, Jenny, when you went to Mexico on the mission field, I was so proud of you for the way that you served me. And he'd say, Jeff, I was so proud of the way that you served in the ministry of helps and what you did with your life. And Jesus will just be able to say this, come on, for all of us, for what we've done as we live for him. I want to tell you, friends, my mind can't get around heaven. But the scripture tells us in Corinthians that eye has not seen, ear has not heard, nor entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those that love him. And I want to tell you, my friends, if I love him, I will follow him. And as I follow him, I serve him. And he promises to give me, come on, eternal life. He promises to reward me in a place where all the pain, there's no more IRS, there's no more heartache, there's no more sleepless nights, there's no more death side chats, there's no more divorce, there's no more acts of violence. Listen, come on, Christ is king. There's no more need for the sun because Jesus is the light of heaven. There's so much gold in heaven, they're using it like asphalts on the street. I want to tell you, friends, it is a place worth living for. Life on this earth is temporary. You and I need to be like Nehemiah, willing to follow Christ wherever he would lead us. Come on. And when we go, when we do and serve him, look to heaven and say, Lord, remember me. And it's as if God will say, I am remembering you. I'm watching you, Nehemiah. I'm watching you, Simon Peter. And I'm watching you too because he's anxious to say to us, come on, well done, good and faithful servant. Give him a big hand today. He's worthy of all our praise. He's worthy of all our praise. Listen, I want to pray with you this morning. But I want to ask you this question today. What are you doing with your life that you can look to heaven and say, God, remember me? You know, when I talked to you this morning about when you follow God and serve God, that God will bless you, that God will care for you. Absolutely true. But it doesn't mean you might not have to make a sacrifice. Even in the book of Hebrews, Scripture, I didn't have a chance to read you, but basically it said this. Remember when you were early following the Lord, how people, they literally took your possessions when you were persecuted, but you accepted it with joy because you knew that there was great reward that awaited you. See, so the object in life is not just to see how many, how many toys you get and whoever gets to the end wins. The object in life is to be faithful to follow God wherever He calls me to go. And my question to you this morning is this. What have you done? Let's just say this past week that you could look to heaven and say, God, remember me. It's a strong question, but it's a vital question because just going to church is not enough, friend. 
This church is supposed to be an activation to help you step into your destiny of following Christ. What did you do this week? I'll give you an example. I want to brag on somebody. I don't think he's here, so I'll share his story. Yes, last night I came to church a bit early, and I just like to come before anybody else is here when the sanctuary is quiet and the lights are off and there's no sound and there's no nothing, just to be with God. It's not coming to because I want anything. I just want to spend some time with my father. And I came in here. I'm walking down the aisle, and I'm just praying out loud, and I see somebody sitting on the front row. And my first thought is, no, rats, I'm, I'm, I'm not alone in here. But I saw it was Victor. And Victor is a guy, I've been coming to this church forever. You wouldn't even know he was there, quiet as he could be. But Victor goes to the homeless shelter and feeds on Saturday nights. Been doing it for as long as I can remember. Doesn't make any fanfare about it. Doesn't tell anybody about it. When they started it, they even said, can the church help us with the chicken? It's like, no, $100 or something. I said, sure. Give him the check. But then he just turns around and gives it back. Why? Following Jesus. Remember me. Come on. He didn't know, he'd probably be upset if I told you that. Why do you do stuff like that? And then I come and I just look over there, just kneeling by the cross. It's just a way of saying, okay, and all I'm going to do tonight is put some mashed potatoes on a plate. I mean, come on, what are you doing? A piece of chicken, breast or wing, mashed potatoes and green. No people that God cares very deeply about. Because in Matthew chapter 25, Jesus said, when I was hungry, come on, around the throne of God, judgment day, I was hungry and what did you do? You fed me. And Victor has a right every Saturday night to look to heaven when he gets at home that night and say, remember me from what I've done. And you know what? God's saying, I do, and one day I'll reward you. So my question to you is, what are you doing with your life? What are you doing so you can look to heaven and say, Lord, remember me? Stand to your feet this morning. Would you just bow your head a moment? And I know that what I'm saying is resonating in your heart today. Because all of us wants to be a Nehemiah. All of us wants to be a Peter. All of us wants to hear from God his words of well done. So, Lord, today we just simply stand before you today and ask you to give us a heart that says yes to you. I want you to pray right now for your own self and ask God to take out of you any heart that might be like that rich man. That when Jesus put his finger on something that he loved more than God, he had to walk away. He was only willing to follow God so far. Would you just ask the Lord right now to take anything out of your life that's an idol? Would you ask God right now to take anything out of your life that would keep you from fully following Christ wherever he would lead? Holy Spirit, we just want to offer ourselves afresh to God. We want to be people like Simon Peter, who if necessary has said, we've left everything to follow you. Give us, Lord Jesus, a heart that wants to live that way. And that's my prayer today in Jesus' name. Everybody say it. Praise the Lord. It was a good day today, wasn't it? Praise the Lord. We're going to close with prayer this morning. Here's what we'll do. We'll, our prayer team will come forwards in just a second and worship. We'll worship through a song, and then you'll be free to be dismissed. But as you come, we'll, we'll offer prayer for anything because I know there's a lot of people that had a lot of personal things that you brought to the house of God this morning that you need for God to help you with before you get back home. Come on. This week you're going to face some things you need God to help you. I can't think of a better place to do a little business with God than right here. But let me tell you something I believe the Holy Spirit told me yesterday as I was praying for you that many of us that are struggling deeply with fear and worry that God wants to pray for you because He doesn't want you to live under the torment of fear. I mean, you know, the Bible says God's not given us 
spirit of fear, but power, love, and of a sound mind. And Jesus, how many know if Jesus told us not to worry, how many know then it must be possible? It's got to be something spiritual that comes in my life that helps me overcome the tyranny of worry and fear. And if you're here today and, and you're just kind of an open door for it, I, I want to encourage you to come for prayer this morning and allow God to minister to you. But I want to make one more opportunity today, and it's the most important one. Maybe you're here today and you need to commit your life to Christ. Maybe you need to begin your journey as a Christian today by following Jesus. And let me tell you how the Christian life works. I want you to imagine that you're living your life, kind of doing your own thing. Let's say you're going this direction. You could be, you know, on the bad side of life as a drug dealer, or you could be a banker. You could be going to school. You could be a ball player, but you're living for yourself. And you hear, if I can say, this voice. And this voice is behind you saying, follow me. I want to do something with your life. This is where it happens when you become a Christian. When you realize your way and you realize God's way and you turn and you say, Lord Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you died for my sins on the cross. I acknowledge my sins and I humbly stand before you and I ask for your forgiveness, but I want to give you my life and I want to commit my life to follow you the rest of my days. You don't earn your way into heaven, but you freely receive his grace. And that's what it means to be a Christian. Not that I go to church, not that I read my Bible, but I was going this way, and now I've turned to follow Christ. And can I tell you, friend, it's the marked moment of life when you yield yourself to Jesus. Because when you do, he promises you forgiveness of sin and the gift of eternal life for following him. I wonder if you're here today and say, Pastor, that's resonating in my heart this morning. Maybe you're like me. I was raised in church. I'm grateful for it. But how many know going to church is not what makes you a Christian? What makes you a Christian is when you surrender your life to Christ and receive Him as your personal Lord and Savior. Where He's not just the man upstairs, but He becomes my God and I become His child. If you're here today and you'd like to pray this morning and ask for God's forgiveness in your life and commit your life to follow Him, we'd be honored to pray with you this morning. If I'm speaking to you now and you want our prayer for salvation this morning, would you lift your hand real quickly? Come on, this morning, pray for me, the Pastor. God bless you, dear, in the back there. Say, pray for me. I want to give my life to Christ this morning. I want to put my life in His hands. Anybody else this morning? I need to turn my heart to God. Maybe you used to be there, and now's the day you need to come back. Dear, we'd be honored to pray with you. Our prayer team is going to come to the front right now. And if you want prayer for anything, come on, guys, for prayer this morning. You want prayer for anything, you come. You that lifted your hand, come on up. Bring your friend with you. We'll pray with you this evening or this morning. And if you want to make a step to Christ, you come now. Let us pray for you. If worry and if fear is tormenting your life, you come and let us pray. Come on, just begin to sing, Pastor Nick. We'll sing it through one time. God bless you, and I love you.